When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your favorite band's about to play a sold-out show, and you definitely got tickets. And drinks. Now hurry and make it back to your spot. Pass this person and that person about 20 more. Ooh, watch out for feet. Hey. Just keep going. A little further. Oh, there's your friend. Over here. Right where you want to be. Close enough to see the set list. And they're definitely playing your song. When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. Hi, welcome to episode nine of Pateroonie. I was at the uh, Jest Fest in Wexford at the weekend and it was an absolutely brilliant festival. Really well run, professionally run, just little venues packed out, different kinds of gigs, different kinds of lineups. It was improv and there was a thing called comedy in the dark, which I'd never done before and which I actually really enjoyed. I mean, you, there's three acts on, you go on stage, you, the lights are up for 30 seconds and they gone down. You're in the dark, the audience are in the dark, it's a completely dark room. And you've got to just, it, it's a different kind of thing because after, after about, Two minutes you realise, oh, there's no point in me walking around this stage, there's no point in me making hand gestures, there's no point in me making um, uh, facial uh, gestures. I'm just uh, delivering here. And after, and, and I found myself at one point just standing there and I'm actually looking at the floor, holding the mic in both hands, concentrating purely on the delivery and on the um, tone of the voice and on the timing. And that's brilliant. I absolutely loved it. Uh, at times I did a few things on the guitar. That was difficult because you've got to find the first chord on the guitar uh, me not being a fantastic musician but you got to feel your way along the neck and find the first chord and then then it's okay but uh, yeah oh, it's really good and something I'd love to do and I think I, you'd probably want to you know you could actually almost go into little scenes and go into almost sketches and do all the voices yourself a, a tremendous uh, thing something I'd love to do and they they uh, uh, I'm sure will be back next year Jazz Fest was a complete success the organisers just gave us such a good time it took, took me a day or two to recover and um, I highly recommend it next year if it's on please do go so on Saturday I'm going to head off to the Middle East to do uh, two weeks of gigs with uh, Who's Lines That Anyway I'm going first to flying to Dubai and then uh, have a four hour wait there and then a fly to Oman Oman where I've been before now these gigs can be really um, uh, you, you, you think you're, you know, you are going off somewhere exotic and all that, but sometimes you don't have time to actually see the damn place. I did a gig in Oman and Bahrain one time about six years ago, and uh, I literally had like four hours in Oman, then flew to to look around. I did the gig. The next day, I had about four hours to actually see any of Oman. Then did, flew to Bahrain. Flew to Bahrain. I was knackered. I went to the bed in a hotel. Uh, was awoken then to go to the gig, did the gig, had a few pints and then was flown to the, was driven to the airport and flown home. I, I didn't see anything. I did see, I, I've been in Bahrain, but I've just been there. I was in bed in Bahrain and I was in a bar in Bahrain. That was it. In Oman, I had four hours. I went to the uh, market. I had a guide. There was a guide said, oh, we'll bring you to the market. And the guide is a guy who knows 
uh, someone uh, in the market who has a shop and he brings you there and you feel like, geez, well, I'm, you know, you know, I kind of would like to just do my own thing. But he brings you to his friend and his friend wants you to buy stuff. And it's uh, it's a bit weird. You're totally well, you've only got four hours. What can you do? You've got no choice there. So I was in the market anyway, and there was lots of uh, mostly women shopping in the market. And they were in, uh, uh, some of them in the burqa, totally covered. Some of them in the hijab, where you could see the face. Well, actually, you know what? I don't think there was many just wearing the hijab. Uh, mostly, it was the burqa fully covered and the um, niqab, where you can just see their eyes. Um, and I took out my video cameras before the iPhone, you know, where you could just film properly with a phone. And um, I took out a video camera and I just pointed down this kind of lane kind of area with lots of women in, in uh, kneecaps and burkas. And they scattered. They started running into shops. Going, well, they weren't actually doing that. That's a, probably a racist uh, uh, way of describing what they were saying but they were scattering and running into shops I don't know why I mean you couldn't even see them I wouldn't have known them if I did know them I wouldn't have known who they were because all you could see was their eyes at the most I, I, maybe if you're familiar with uh, Muslim uh, female dress maybe you you have a different uh, way of recognising people by their gait or whatever you know the way like a crow is able to recognise people by their gait apparently uh, a crow can tell different people by the way they walk yeah well maybe maybe that's the way well, so they started hiding I don't know why they were hiding because all they were doing was shopping it's not like I was filming them doing anything surreptitious they were just shopping maybe they might Maybe they weren't meant to be in the market. I have no idea, but I felt like such an asshole. I felt like such a tourist and an asshole. Yeah. So uh, that was it. Well, I'm going to go on Saturday, and I'm I'm, I'm, I'm convinced. I'm, I'm I'm telling myself now, just don't spend time in the bar. Go to bed early. Get up early, and and see the place. For Christ's sake, get some culture in here because the temptation is you got all these expats to go. Nah, oh, come, come. What you want to drink? Blah blah blah. All this, and then you wake up with a hangover, and you're in. It doesn't matter where you are <laughs> when you and you you know you you go oh, I can't go I can't go out uh, but you've got to, you've got I have to you know so uh, I was on um, I'm getting a lot of these you know I'm on the I'm on the train or whatever and I get notifications on Facebook you know and recently I saw one where the guy goes uh, he said well that was the toughest half an hour of my life I just came out to my parents and it was on Facebook and. He'd just come out to his parents and then he goes on Facebook and tells everybody. And I'm like, that's not right. That's not right to tell everybody something so big. If my son or daughter just come out to me, that to me that was a big event. If they just then went to the bedroom and told everybody on Facebook, I would be insulted by that. I I don't I think there's just too much of this going on. If your granny dies it seems like the first thing you do is go on Facebook. Oh, my granny has died. Your granny has died. There's a lot of people on Facebook that don't really know you. And why are you telling them that your granny has died? And what can they do when your granny died? When your granny died, not just that. Oh, I've been insulted at the supermarket by somebody who said I, I, I'm too fat or something. I've been diagnosed with uh, some unpronounceable name disease. I've just found out. As the doctor was telling me what disease I had, I was, I was, I was, I was writing it on Facebook. It's like that. It's just straight away. It's on Facebook. And what can people do? They like it. Your granny has died. 
200 people like it. They like that your granny's died. They like that you've got a disease. They like that you got insulted. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And even if people do express sympathy, it's too easy. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even take that sympathy. Fuck that sympathy. All you did was write a little one line, probably not even grammatically correct, and put a, a sad face while the ad break was on. You're still sitting on the couch. You're watching your favourite chat show. Oh, there's an ad break. I'll express sympathy for that guy who found out his granny was died and he's got a disease as well whatever it's just not you know it's like the protesting where you go i'm anti-pet farms i've pressed a button yeah 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 sure that's gonna do any fucking good no eventually your funeral will be an event on facebook yeah are you coming you know whatever you get 200 maybe you'll be at a funeral and someone will say jesus not a great turnout considering i had 400 definites definitely coming and 80 maybes and that there's only 200 here it's it's gonna be like that well, at, while I was at uh, Jazz Fest, I uh, had a chat with Al Porter. I'm sure everybody knows Al Porter. He's, ju- he's done three um, sellout nights in Vicar Street. He's a rising star. He's very young. And he, he's bringing back a thing that disappeared. Like, he's, he's, he's a showbiz guy. It's showbiz. He puts on a show. He wears a suit. He he puts on a show. And he's, he's, it's, it's straight... Well, we talk about it anyway, but he, he kind of brings back a tradition that this uh, alternative comedy, in quotation marks, was, uh, was uh, we were anti, I suppose, like that kind of vibe. Although we always, I always admired all that showbizy, you know, razzmatazz type vibe. But anyway, Al is totally in that. He's an, and he says himself, he's an entertainer. He's not saying he's an artist. He is an entertainer. Anyway, listen to this. Okay, yeah, that's uh, working. Love it. Right. Thanks. Thanks for talking to me, Al. Al. Yes. Uh, are you enjoying the festival? I am loving the festival. Yeah. yeah. Are you enjoying it? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Yeah. It's good fun. Nice people. It is nice people. I like it. I spent a lot of time in Glynn with my great aunt who yeah. lived here uh, when she was an, ex- an ex-nun mm. who went over to Boston and yeah. uh, as a nun, as a nun, yeah. uh, but left the priesthood, left the priesthood, left the what <laughs> the, the convent, the left nunnery, the order, left whatever. the order. Yeah. Uh, because she didn't like Pope John Paul II, which is quite unusual. Because really? most Irish people are mad for Pope John yeah. Paul II. Um, what do you mean? Was he too conservative or too uh, liberal? I think he was too liberal. Too liberal. And she left, Ooh. didn't like it, ended up she teaching. You're uh, um, my dark past. Your, well, did she know <laughs> you, your choice in sexual prefer- preference? No, I don't think no. it was a choice. You got to watch your words there. Whatever, yeah, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Panty Bliss will come down and have you. That would be great, though. Panty, Panty Bliss came on the. Podcast. It would actually, yeah. Um, uh, she's great. She's yeah, brilliant. I've I've met uh, Rory, I'd and he's really interesting. Uh, both him and her, on. Mm. yeah. But to finish um, your question, she yeah. didn't have a clue. She had a, a right. ring waiting for me. She died before she could ever realise. She yeah. had a ring waiting for me, uh, saying, "Now, whenever you meet the right woman." And I just say, oh, Margaret, you're the only woman for me. Yeah. And uh, she was so stern. She used to laugh and tell stories about uh, yeah. children that she had put right by giving them a good slap of a ruler back when she was a teacher in sure. America. Wow. And she'd go, and that's how they should have done it these days. Yeah. 
and yeah. she nursed a man, an uh, Arthur von Hippel, a professor yeah. Arthur von Hippel, who has his own Wikipedia page, yeah. and he didn't set it up himself. Uh, what did he do? He was a scientist, yeah. Yeah. And so he wrote a couple of books. I think he was a physician, and uh, and she nursed had, him when he was sick. Yeah, from seventy to one hundred and five. God, he was sick a long time. <laughs> yeah, seventy years old, yeah. and she would have came on board like in the eighties. Yeah. So when you're seventy years old in the eighties, you're old. Yeah, yeah, and you're yeah. really old. I mean, yeah. in the eighties, your sixties are uh, kind of old, pretty old. Yeah. Uh, so to stay with, well, I was old in the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so much younger now. To stay to 105 yeah. is incredible. And came back, he had a huge house, they had lots mm. of money, they mm. were very wealthy, they travelled all over uh, Europe and the continent. And as his nurse, she did get to see the world. She never married, but she yeah. did get to see the world. And when she came back, she settled, she took money that uh, he left her when he died mm. and bought a lovely house here in Wexford and mm. set up home here. And she would have been from the Liberties originally. Yeah. So it's oh, very she? interesting, yeah. And is she a happy, happy nun? Like, she was happy once. Yeah. I mean, once she left the order, I think, and I think she was happy. She was. She married? No. She never married, mm. um, and it was quite funny. We went to visit. I went to visit her grave today with mm. Carl Spain, mm. and me, me and Carl. I mean, neither of us have a faith. Like I'm yeah. an atheist now, and I don't yeah. know what Carl considers himself. Mm. And we went, and it's not a proper headstone yet. Yeah. Uh, so it's just one of those small wooden crosses mm. that marks the grave, and it had a small picture of Christ on it. Yeah. And Carl took a look and said, "God, it's not a good picture of her, is it?" <laughs> <laughs> I said, "Oh, she was very masculine." He said, "She could have won the Eurovision for Austria." <laughs> <laughs> she had a beard. Yeah. yeah. But it's a beautiful yeah. festival. I hope that they do it next year. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, yeah. Uh, where, you're from Tala. You were just—I was with you in the lift there with, mm. with, with the uh, fella who was getting your key. The porter. Porter. Yeah, two and porters. Both of you from Tala. Yeah, we were sharing Tala reminiscences. <laughs> yeah. Well, I still live there with my. Oh, man. do you? Yeah. Oh, do you? You live with your mother. I do. I moved out yeah. last year for nine months. And your dad? And my dad. He's still there as well. Yeah, yeah. And my sister. Oh, really? And she's twenty-nine. You what? Yeah. But she came back from Australia. Um, so living the dream and she's bought a small house in Tipperary but she's doing it up right. uh, and I love Tipperary I mean I've gigged down in Ardfinnan yeah. uh, which is a great village and what's great about there is when you finish a gig in Dublin people mm. kind of go oh how's it going well done at the other occasion somebody goes oh look you're gay we have a load of gay mates maybe one night you'd like to meet one but when you gig down the country like Ardfinnan it's completely different you yeah. get lads saying stuff like Al, Al, hold on, hold on, hold on, I know a gay fella. Michael, Michael! And sure. they're like calling somebody over going, come on, come on, hold on, hold on, he hasn't met one months. Michael, come on! And they do, and you'd be expecting this guy must be mortified. Like in Dublin, yeah, he yeah, would be so yeah. embarrassed. But no, he is genuinely eager and yeah, earnest. Right. And he's going, how's the going? Oh my God, my name's Michael, my mammy doesn't know I'm gay, but I'll bring you home. <laughs> Um, it's funny it's great how things have changed it, it is, no it really it is. is amazing um, I think I started uh, saying there I had moved out so I'd lived away yeah. from home for nine months yeah um, which the first time I lived on my own yeah uh, it was nine months as well but All just right, yeah. in my mother and yeah. <laughs> <so> <laughs> I was living on North Great Georgia Street yeah. opposite so you weren't a twin no you're on your own there opposite yeah. centre David Norris's house all right, okay. um, and at the time, North I didn't Great George know, Street. Yes, I, yeah. I didn't know he lived there. Oh yeah, uh, and he was suing me. Why? So Norris was suing me for defamation for some uh, oh, comments that I made on the Orti New Comedy Awards. Now the lawsuit's what still going say? on, so oh, I can't, can't really talk go about into it. it. Okay. 
But I can tell you it was a very innocuous joke, right? Yeah. Anyway, uh, needless to say, I thought that he lived on Marion. I thought Marion Square, surely. Mm. Like, it's a big Georgian right, yeah, house yeah. and he must be really wealthy. Yeah, yeah. But no, he lives on North Great Georgia Street, which is wedged between Parnell Street and uh, the boys' school there. What's the one? I don't know. Very posh boys' school, anyway. Really? Yeah, it's Around not there. Yeah, yeah. God, near Gardner Street kind of area. Well, that's it. You see, it's yeah. such an odd area to yeah. have Gardner Street and that and a, a uh, kind of a posh area right yeah. there, is it? So, so did he think you'd move there on purpose? I think he thought I was stalking, <laughs> and I couldn't believe it because I moved in with Desiree mm. Short, a ninety-year-old landlady, yeah. who came from aristocracy, whatever kind of aristocracy Ireland had. Yeah, and she was in her nineties. She had been a uh, restorer of old china. Mm. and she had never worked a day in her life you know I mean yeah. maybe she did work doing that but is it really work yeah. you know putting pots back together yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, but these yeah. were pots that millionaires own so you get good money yeah right yeah, and yeah. her whole house was incredible it was called Mahaffey House yeah. and American tourists did tours of it because it was built by Charles Thorpe Lord Mayor of Dublin yeah. and Oscar Wilde's tutor Charles Mahaffey lived in the house wow. as did Shane McGowan who Desiree used to say was an undesirable tenant. And he was kicked out because Sinead O'Connor was in the papers at the time. Who reported Rang the guards. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that was Desiree's house. And she said, one time I found him fornicating on the landing. She goes, which would have been fine if I had wooden floors, but it's carpet, darling. <laughs> and that just doesn't come out. And she was a real character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, moved in there. Van Morrison had lived in it. Um, and now before anybody thinks he has money I was living up the very top six flights up Mm. in what would have been one lovely apartment but had been split into two apartments Mm. so I was living in a small room I was like Anne Frank Um, yeah but nice place to live though with all that history it was incredible showbiz well you've been in showbiz since you were two or something were you yeah (laughs) uh, when did you start doing performing like on stage well you see it's hard to know I mean apparently Mm. when I was three years old and I was in Spain on a family holiday I saw Mm. a man playing the spoons and went Mm. up and grabbed them off him and started trying to play yeah and any time I saw somebody on stage I wanted to be on stage and I would say it is the only love of my life is performing yeah and there's never any other option oh absolutely not by no means I was completely people describe me my mates slag me they go Al Porter he's like Alan Partridge without the irony (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like I was, I was born in a suit and a tie, like ready to go. Mm. Um, I always say in my show, I say it's the lights. You know, open a fridge and I'll do twenty minutes. Right, yeah, yeah. But it is the only thing that I've ever enjoyed, and yeah. I did do a bit of ga and a bit of you mm. know soccer and stuff for my dad, yeah. and it just didn't work. Right, right. right. So, did, did you do uh, like drama classes, dance? Down, so that's it. They put me in a thing called the Independent Theatre Workshop. Yeah. So not Billy Barry, but the same idea. Right. You know, and Billy Barry, obviously, who was responsible for like Brian McFadden and Samantha Mumba and you know she did a lot of good things as well <laughs> uh, <laughs> when they were bringing in the coffin they brought her in and step turn Padabore <laughs> um, they had to lower her down twice you know until they got it just right and sorry I can't help but doing gags yeah, yeah no that's fine yeah yeah but I ended yeah. up doing the independent theatre workshop cost my parents a fortune mm. because I went for creative drama which is just kind of playing Mm. I, I taught drama when I dropped out of college as well to yeah. primary school kids it's just playing you're just yeah. trying to encourage them to lose their inhibitions yeah. you know uh, you want to be outrageous you want to be a lion be a lion good for you be a giraffe you know and you yeah. hope that that gives them confidence later on Yeah. but then yeah. I then I wanted more 
so I did dance as well. I did mm. speech and drama, so I did examinations with the Leinster School of Music and Drama yeah. to diploma level when I was 16. Right. I did um, uh, musical theatre as well. Wow. So I did about five classes. I mean, that was costing my parents a fortune. And it's I amazing. loved it. Like most uh, stand-ups, they don't come from that background no. at all. They kind of come from families that have nothing to do with... Oh, I don't yeah. see your family didn't have anything to do with show business either. But... Dad, flight sergeant in the air corps. Yeah. My yeah. mum, the parish secretary. Yeah. Uh, nothing but, uh, like but that. But they've not done all those drama. Mm. They've kind of come out of college not knowing what they were doing or something. But I never wanted into... to be an actor. Right. And I never wanted to be a comedian. I just knew I wanted to entertain. Entertainer was the yeah. word I always used. Right. We had those sliding mirrored wardrobes in my brother's room when mm. I was growing up. Right. And I used to take all my nana's old fur coats because my nana was from Ballyferma. Mm. And my nana, when in the 60s, she would have been pure stylish. Mm. And she had these great fur coats that had gone out of style that I would wear. Mm. And I'd go into the wardrobe and I would get my mam to pull back the sliding door and I'd say, Tonight, Matthew, I'll be. And, <laughs> I, did, their eyes. and I did everybody. I did Abba, yeah. I did, you know, yeah. I was always older. I loved Bobby Darren, Fran, uh, oh, yeah, uh, Frank really. Sinatra. Yeah. Uh, Dean Martin was my favourite, you know. Uh, I used to sing That's Amore was my song. And when I was. So you're pure showbiz. You know, like oh, yeah. there is a kind of a anti showbiz thing in stand up that maybe is. Like Dylan Moran kind of comes on and just it's like mm. well, I'm not really I'm just chatting here. Yes, you know? but you're it's all about show business, which I love. It's, yeah, it's brilliant. Well, I just I, think it's 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 if you can be I said this is something if you can be Danny Larue, why wouldn't you be Danny Larue? Yeah, I don't understand why you wouldn't have the trappings that go with being an entertainer. Yeah. So guys who uh, say, I just like to get up and it's just me and a mic. It's just me in the room. <laughs> and and I appreciate them because I love going to see them. Yeah. One of my favourite comedians is David McSavage and I love going to see him. Yeah. Um, but I always think, well, if I can have a band and confetti cannons and a curtain and a glowing staircase and a Louis Copeland suit mm. and a chorus of dancers and mm. I can do that now you, you get to a point where you go can you afford to do that yeah. uh, but if you can afford to do it absolutely and you yeah. can av- arrive in a Rolls Royce and you can have a rider yeah. and you can say and you can call people darling and you know throw your weight around and wear ridiculous hats and, and people let you away with it so that's just playing that is honestly like being a child in in real life as an adult. Like I arrived for this festival and I got out of the car in a long coat, fur collar, a gorgeous big fedora hat. Mm. And uh, the guy who runs the festival went, met me and he gave me a funny look. And I could tell this guy is thinking, oh my God, is this fella for real? Is this like the male twink I've booked? And I said to him, oh, don't mind the costume. And he goes, oh, God, were you acting earlier? I said, no, but it's ju- it's still a costume. Yeah, you're having fun. Like, I'm just a lad from Tala, but that is just fun for me. Yeah. And Dressing up. So you kind of have a link, because you said earlier you're, uh, you know, no beginnity. So you have a link with the older uh, established mm. kind of old comedians. That almost alternative comedy would have been a backlash against that. Yes, but, the cabaret comics. Who I mean, yeah. I wouldn't do their gags, yeah. but uh, you know the ones. And, and some of them you, are good. What, what do you think they have that we don't have? Like what's what would you take from someone like Noel Beginnity or what I liked about yeah. them and how I met them was through the mm. Olympia Theatre and the right. pantomimes. And when I was ten years old, I went for an audition, an open audition. wasn't sent to it. My mum just asked, "Do you want to go?" I saw it in the back of the Echo, yeah. And I went to 
to be in Bugsy Malone. Yeah. And so then I was Knuckles in Bugsy Malone and I was Bugsy's understudy. I was ready to murder him. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I did three weeks in the Olympia Theatre. And the next year they said, we've made so much money after having an all-kids cast because the schools go to see them, mammies and daddies, aunties and uncles. There's more money for selling yeah. tickets. Yeah, yeah. So they said, we'll put on a panto, but with an all-kids cast and just one star and that star at the time was June Rogers mm-hmm. and through June Rogers and the success of pantomimes I played an ugly sister I was only 13 yeah. and I've played the dame there every year since this year is my 11th year I'm writing it um, people have come up to me I've always played Polly and Nurse Polly and how are you getting on how are you boys and girls and I've been doing that in a big red wig for mm. 11 years and I've met people who are 21 who've come up to me saying, I started going to see you when I was 13, it, which is incredible. And through that time, it was Susan McFadden, Noel V. Guinnessy from the cabaret scene. We did Robin Hood together. We did mm. Aladdin together. Uh, June Rogers, I've met Twink, Linda Martin, Louis Walsh, mm. some of Louis' boy bands like Hometown, you know, all this kind I of scene. Hometown, yeah. And actually, Noel suggested to me, do you want to go on? And Noel was 70 at the time. Do you want to go on Joe Duffy's Funny Friday with me? Mm. And everybody, all the comedians were going, that's shite. That is pure shite. Because the kind of gags on that are, I heard, you know, he goes, how are you, missus? I heard that uh, anybody who has a heart attack, 50% of them die in the ambulance. So when I have a heart attack, I'm getting a fucking taxi. (laughs) And it's those kind of gags. And I had to learn them off because in Panto, I understood he'd know. Because yeah. at 70 years old, there was a good chance That's that he was going to fucking die. Yeah. <laughs> so I understudied him. And I went on Joe Duffy with my own gags. Yeah. But my own gags, because I was spending time with Noel and Sil Fox, uh, were starting to take on the rhythm mm. of those kind of jokes. Mm. You know? so, but in a, in a modern way. Yeah. So my dad says to me, you know, he, this is me umfla. He goes around sucking cocks. He doesn't get it from me, and he certainly doesn't get it from his mother. Which is, you could hear, you could practically hear a did drummer going, "Put him." Did you do that on Joe Duffy? I did. You want to see the grannies <laughs> <laughs> in the Red Cow Moran Hotel? You know. Um, but that uh, that yeah. scene, I don't know if there's much that we can take from them. I'm not saying that. But do you not think I there want to was? Be them. Maybe let's say talk about the old vaudeville from England. That certainly mm. was a great tradition there yeah that has got a bit lost hasn't it you yeah. know the kind of the real showbiz the absolutely the I mean people razzmatazz I suppose you call it it is generational mm. I think another generation comes and looks back on something that their parents thought was uncool mm. because they grew up with it yeah. but then they think is cool because they don't know what it is yeah exactly yeah. so that's why people like you if you don't mind mm. and maybe Ardle and Pat McDonald and uh, uh, Dr. Trellis and your Mr. Trellis, Mr. Trellis and yeah. uh, he, I've upgraded him to doctor <laughs> yeah. he has an honorary doctorate from yeah. me now uh, Barry Murphy and Kevin Gildee you rebelled against what was uncool because your parents liked it yeah your parents liked Juries yeah. and Burlington Hotel yes, and but, are you well missus yes but I'm yes, looking yes, back on did, it but actually the first comedy I heard and loved was uh, Brennan Grace really B-side of a single because his A-side was a song I'm Paddy the Peddler but on really? the B-side it was him doing Butler yeah, going to the yeah. zoo and it actually was hilarious yeah and I, when I was on uh, Marion Finucane's show uh, playing clips of stuff that it, I influenced me mm. I did play that did and you and it still lives up to it yeah 
It's, and he rang me actually. He said, "Are you the fella that has people come up to me in the street congratulating me?" Apparently, <laughs> brilliant. It really, yeah, uh, yeah. He got a lot of mentions for it. Yeah. So yeah, but it was good stuff. It's just some of it wasn't. Some no, of it, no, some of it isn't. Yeah, and yeah. you know, I liked what Joe was doing with the Funny Friday, keeping that alive for mm. for the for the moment. You know, mm. but a lot of those guys, to be fair, didn't do showbiz. You know, I mean, in terms of they didn't have what some of the English comics could afford to have. Yeah. Like, so Noel and Sale and all, they're actually quite like us. They did just get up and grab a mic and go. My real love is of people who were doing what those guys were doing in the 70s and 60s, but in Britain. Yeah, I know. In Britain, where Frankie Howard could come out with his pianist and his band, and oh no, oh missus, please, I no, 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 you must mocking Francis. Oh, and he did all those gags, and mm. uh, Kenneth Williams and Larry Grayson shut yeah, that door. Yeah, shut that and, door. Okay, I mean, on on the radio now with Colm Hayes, and it was Joe Duffy that kind of helped bring me to the attention of the radio. Mm. On our show, on Drive By, and in my own stage shows now, I've taken to saying, "Shut the front door." Um, because it kind of you know firstly you're saying shut the fuck up but you're not getting in trouble with the regulator yeah because you're, I'm on a half four to seven yeah and also because it sounds like a kind of modern bastardization of shut that door mm-hmm. so now I do shut the front door <laughs> and I like the idea of having a catchphrase yeah and uh, but all those guys in England doing the variety shows and, and we're all the uh, dancing girls and all this incredible kind of massive but, shows yeah. but even they knew that they were retro and they were doing it in a different way. Mm. So Danny LaRue used to say to people in the 70s, oh, what I'm doing is very old school, darling. It's just like what they used to do in Vaudeville mm. and Max Miller. I'm just Max Miller in a dress. And Max Miller w- would have been going around uh, mm. doing the, the Vaudeville theatres and all that. And mm. Frankie Howard used to say, oh, no, no. I mean, I'm a very old fashioned comedian. And this is when he was popular mm. and he was on Parkinson. And because there were cooler people around. I mean, mm. and I like them too, but in the 60s, Peter Sellers was cooler um, right, he was. you know the guys who were doing uh, a place called the establishment in London they were cooler yeah, uh, Peter Cook was cool yeah, Woody yeah. Allen in New York was cool yeah, Spike Milligan, uh, Frankie though was saying I'm just like a modern version of musical and now you get to Lee, people like Lee Evans in the 80s Lee was not that modern you know, no, but, Lee but he went on to be huge. Grew up in uh, in entertainment as well. His father yes. was involved because he. I used to told me a story about uh, being a little child uh, and Tommy Cooper's backstage, mm. and Tommy's name was called and. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Tommy Cooper, and he said to, uh, he's having a drink with his friends, and he told a uh, small Lee Evan, go to the back of this stage and poke, give him a stick, Tommy, to poke Keep the curtain. poking cur- it, yeah. And they'll think that's Tommy. Well, and he's and then, having a drink. He's having a drink, and then Tommy will walk on the side stage, and a bigger laugh again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, brilliant. Yeah, And, yeah, I mean, what, yeah. how, is it any, uh, is it unusual at all to find out that Michael Barrymore he grew up in exactly the same thing. And yeah. Barrymore grew up on stages like that where some of the older comedians were doing it. And Barrymore said that he, they didn't know what he was at because he got up and he flailed around and he jumped into the audience and he was only uh, 20 years old or something and he was doing that. Yeah. And uh, Michael McIntyre, no surprise there that his father was the comedy writer for Kenny Everett. Right, yeah. So, yeah, see, uh, yeah. And you look at somebody like Lee Evans, Barrymore, McIntyre, those are people who are modern, yeah. but they're old school too. Yeah, you know? yeah. McIntyre's latest Easter special, did you see it? No, I haven't, no. He came on singing Anything Goes by Cole Porter with a, a chorus line of dancers. Really? So comedy, some comedy 
is always going to exist in that world. Mm. That is the world, to me, even though it's pure fantasy, it is the world of, you know, uh, it's the world of wine and after shows and uh, gorgeous flowers and, and uh, you know, limousines yeah, and, and th- of stars, is it the stars and celebrity. The act is something apart from the audience. It's mm. someone up there. Yeah. Yeah. The way they used uh, to light people on chat shows is different than they do now. Yeah. They used to pour lights on them. Now they try and make them look as they are. Right, I mean, but right. back in Parkinson and Dick Cavett in America, and when they lit Shirley Bassey, they lit her like she was an angel. Like she was practically glowing. They had so much light on her. Right. Because she was supposed to be something other. Yeah. You know, and I love that. But mm. I'm what I'm doing, I think, anyway, is... I love all that stuff, mm. but I'm also the funny for me is admitting to the audience I might love all that stuff, but I don't fucking have it. I'm a lad from Tala, yeah. and I grew up with the fucking man's man, and I'm going into RTE earning fuck all to be Colin Hayes' sidekick, and I'm on shite shows and I'm getting fired off them, and you know, so that's well, what I you, like to you give. You're doing really well. Three I like shows to give a mix. Street, though. Three shows in there. What age you? Twenty. Twenty-two. Pretty yeah. good. Yeah. That's you will. Have. Youngest ever. That's amazing. That's, that's what I pushed. Although I wasn't sure if that was going to work. Because some yeah. people would go, I'm not going to see that. I'll go see him when he's a bit older. <laughs> and he knows what he's doing. I wouldn't be arsed seeing him now. The youngest ever. I wouldn't be arsed. Yeah, he's not ready. He's an apprentice. Yeah. Um, three, so we sold him out three shows. That's brilliant. That's it, was, it was so good. I was just delighted. Yeah. Well, you were in uh, the original Aikino as well, weren't yeah. you? As, what age are you then? Um, Ten. Ten. Yeah, and I was offered a part in this revival yeah. uh, to be one of the scribes, but I couldn't do it because of the three Vicar Streets, which was a great reason to come back and That's say fantastic. no. Uh, but I met them. I went into the but show. You couldn't say that when you were ten. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't do it. <laughs> so I met uh, mm. met Desi Gallagher, and I did it with Mario Rosenstock and mm. Gary Cook. And Mario's mm. not back now, but I did it with Pat Kinnevin as well, and I toured with it and all that. And uh, I really enjoyed it. Because remember, know? I was doing the Harry Bowser's with Paul Woodfull. And, yeah, Paul uh, wrote the lyrics. When, and he, uh, I introduced you, or he met you back at the international. He said, oh, yeah, the last time I met you, you were 10 or something. Like, yeah. Just Makes people feel old. Yeah, it? yeah. I grew up listening to Colm Hayes on the radio mm. on the Strawberry Alarm Clock. Makes so me and my mum listen I'm, I'm pretty sure if I could find it I have a tape of me talking to him at home I yeah. called in he used to do the thing called kids in a car and I was a kid in a car where? <laughs> and this is the guy that I go out drinking with now and, and have a laugh with yeah brilliant and uh, Gay Byrne came to my show in Vickers did Street. he? Um, Gay came and Louis Walsh came and a lot of people wow. and people I really admire really? like Catherine Lynch I mean a lot of people you can say what you want about Catherine Catherine sold out 16 nights in Vicar Street mm. and she did a great thing for camp humour in Ireland mm. we were lacking camp humour until she brought us Wonder Women and she brought us and she opened the doors for a bit of camp humour here right. the only people that were doing camp humour in Ireland Mr Pussy you know in mm. gay clubs mm. um, Neil is a bit the yeah. new Elizabeth, yeah, yeah. And, and then Gray Norton, though, but he, he was in England. Mm, yeah. uh, so she came, no. Gay Byrne was really nice, but it was funny, he came over to me. And he goes, well done, well done, weren't you great, fantastic, good for you, good for you. And I said, thanks, Gay, did you enjoy it? And he said, so much energy, so much enthusiasm, the confidence. And then he started saying other things. I love the lighting, I love the band, I love... And I was thinking, is funny coming anytime soon? <laughs> Never said you? funny. Really? Never said funny. But he said confident, enthusiastic, talented, but he didn't say funny. I'd say it was a bit dirty for a man in his 80s. 
Uh, well, I don't know. But he, he's, he's seen it all. He's seen. He's had Tommy. He loves comedy, doesn't he? He, he? Does. Got, he adores. I mean, comedy. he kind of broke uh, Brendan Carroll's career in Ireland originally, yeah. and uh, he's always had Tommy on. Yeah. And then he would be, pretend he was shocked by what they were saying. That was the joke that Brendan O'Carroll said on his first late late. You know, all oh, the lads used to call me Buck. Brendan O'Carroll Buck and then he said it was lucky my name wasn't Kieran and <laughs> they went okay come okay. on now Let, oh, leave right. it there leave it there um, which is great he also said uh, I always wanted to come on and say how's your Mickey gay yeah. apparently hilarious yeah but hey but look why not I, it's what I did my chat show my first chat show appearance was this year on the Saturday night show yeah. with the late Brendan O'Connor <laughs> and who knew I should have been fucking sucking up to Ray Darcy yeah, yeah. Um, and like that I went on and I thought I'm going to do this chat show old school people don't know who I am people mm. still don't know who I am mm. um, I'm not going to come on and go yeah Brendan I'm really enjoying the art of it and everything. I'm going to go on and do gags yeah, you know? and you I went on I did meet my dad's name is Mick he likes to be called Mickipedia yeah. it'll sour when they call him Mickey Leaks and yeah, yeah. Did, they, did they set it up for you that the, the, the questions would lead to gags they do that sometimes um, uh, you meet a researcher yeah and I asked her what train of thought is Brendan kind of into mm. and she said Brendan wants to know who you are where you're from what are you, what's your family like he wants the origin story so mm. I knew that I could go away and think about things like yeah. that you know to yeah. say yeah so I did a couple of late late shows with Pat Kenny and uh, this, so they would yeah, get your material and they go oh yeah we're going to ask these questions and then you have the gags there but so. that could end up being but awful as well did from the first the second time I went on yeah, I had the first thing was about the I did this gag about the Angelus and uh, looking at the people staring at windows on the Angelus you know when they're on yeah. the TV uh, Pat Kenny's in uh, link for me for that mm. was uh, you've just come back from Scotland you're doing some gigs over there and it's great that you're back in Ireland because you love watching TV doesn't make any sense whatsoever <laughs> there's TV in Scotland yeah, what the that's fuck? bizarre like, I had to come back to Ireland to watch TV and oh. that's supposed to link me into the Angelus I know I know it's awful <laughs> isn't yes, it yes Pat yeah. I love watching TV that's why I came <laughs> back from Scotland I know it's, it's stupid isn't it oh. uh, I knew I wanted to tell this story about Mass which was a true story and it actually got complaints which is quite funny because my mother is the parish secretary yeah. and somebody complained to the BAI about me but I've had several BAI complaints I've had them all yeah. um, what you call discounted I've had them all kind of thrown out yeah. but a lot of people have complained about me on really? the radio and on different things ah yeah and I mean I mean, in fairness to those people they can go fuck themselves mm. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and before anybody fairness. wonders it's not people complaining why is that fucking Aegis on the telly again excuse my language I'm fucking no this is fine podcast is yeah. no problem there um, but it's away. it was more well, over something you have gags or yeah, yeah. Like if I mention the church or I mention a priest or you know yeah. so yeah. Uh, I, I wanted to tell Brendan this story about mass and I told him about it and I didn't I didn't tell his researcher I was going to do it All right, yeah. so that was the joy of it for me because yeah. his his reaction was, was honest genuine yeah. Yeah. and yeah. Uh, that got a woman ringing the parish, the St. Mark's parish that it was about, where my mother is the secretary. And she yeah. didn't know that my mum was the secretary. So my mum went, St. Mark's parish office, please. How can I help you? And she said, I'd like to make a complaint about a parishioner that you have. Mm. And my mum said, well, that's quite unusual. Uh, I can write something to the priest. And she said, it's about that Al Porter who was on the Saturday night show. And my mum almost died laughing, transcribing a woman who was saying, it's a disgrace. And to be honest, I think he should be excommunicated. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's fucking oh, class. Stop. That's class. 
Well, listen, now, thanks for talking to me. I think we both have to do shows now. We, we do, yeah. yeah. Um, so, but it was my pleasure. No, you know? it was brilliant. Thanks In a million. couple of years, yeah. somebody so, will hear this and go, do you um, remember Al was going to be a thing? <laughs> <laughs> do you remember we all thought uh, Al was going to be a thing? Al, do you think, actually, before we go, do you think I could get Twink for an interview? Do you I know Twink at all? I, I, do, I barely know Twink. Yeah. But I think that you'd love to. To be honest, I don't think you need twink. me to get Twink. <laughs> <laughs> I think Twink goes wherever there's free food now. Yeah. Right, okay. Oh, it's oh, been a pleasure. So, okay, Grant. So if you're listening, Twink, come on. I want you. <laughs> The very funny Al Porter there. Well, I'm uh, heading off, as I said, to uh, Oman on the uh, 10th of um, of May, this Saturday. Uh, I'm doing the Who's Lines That Anyway, a improvised show. Uh, I'm sure you're aware of the TV programme. Uh, the original, some of the original uh, cast of the original programme are uh, in this. Uh, Steve Frost, Steve Steen, Andy Smart. Great guys, and Ian Coppinger tours with them a lot, and I'm guesting with them for a two-week tour in the Middle East. And if you're in the Middle East, and if you want to come along, here's here's my uh, gigs. So the 12th of May, I'm in the Al Bustan Oman Auditorium, Muscat, Oman. 13th of May, we're in the Grand Hyatt, Doha. 14th of May, we're in the Intercontinental Hotel, Bahrain. 15th of May, we're in the Park Hyatt, Abu Dhabi. The 70th of May, I'm in the Danat Hotel Al Ain. And then on the 20th, 21st, 22nd, 23rd of May, I'm in the Madinat Theatre, Dubai. Oh, yeah, that's it, yeah. Uh, that's it, that's it, that's it. And then I come back to Ireland and on the 28th of May, I'm in Mary's in Maharafelt. And Mary's Bar, Mary's Bar, Maharafelt. And then on the 29th of May, the day after, I'm in Nambuka on 596 Holloway Road, London. Yes, so uh, thanks for listening. And um, I'd like to thank Castaway uh, for hosting this podcast, Andrew Mangan for producing the podcast, Daniel Rooney for the music on the podcast. Thanks for listening. Please keep listening. If you like it, please give me a comment. If you're on iTunes, give a star rating. If you want to contact me on Twitter, I'm at Joe Rooney, the number one. And uh, you can contact me by email on www.joerooneycomedian.com. Now, I want to... Does anyone know about uh, meditation? I'd like to try it. If anyone can give me any advice, contact me, please. Um, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, whatever. Okay, right. See ya. Bye. Since 1998, Penn State World Campus has led the charge in online education, offering access to more than 175 in-demand programs. Penn State World Campus delivers on your time. Click on the ad or visit worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more.